is the Adam Crowley Show. I mean, I cannot believe the kind of nonsense that I am hearing right now. On ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Rob Rossi in for the one and only Adam Crowley. This is his show after all, but you get an upgrade today. Follow me on Twitter at RealRobRossi. We are coming to you live on ESPN Pittsburgh from Sensi's Restaurant in Wexford. Hey, by the way, uh, we got some food on the table here. It looks spectacular. What? All right, what did you order here? Please explain to me. It looks like you've ordered some sort of... It's a uh, buffalo mac and cheese. It looks excellent. It's, it's huge. Let me tell you something. It tastes just as good as it looks. Wow, it's it's a massive amount of food. Yeah, it's like that, overwhelming. That could get you through the rest of the tournament, it looks like. At least till the Elite Eight. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be riding home with you tonight. That's, <laughs> that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of cheese, macaroni, and buffalo chicken. I'm waiting, uh, waiting for my wings here. So get down here to uh, Sensi's, and uh, they got tournament on. They got the golf... Uh, match on too so they got all kind of sporting events on i'm sure they'll have some penguins action on the screens tonight around their bar they've had some people enjoying some beverages to be perfectly honest i a couple people that i walked in on here around three o'clock that were drinking and looked like they'd already been drinking too much uh they're no longer here so uh i guess that's good but, yeah, good times here at Sensi's. We get the final hour of the Adam Crowley Show. We'll get Mike Kazaza in the next segment uh, talking to him. He's in San Diego with West Virginia, uh, the local team that's in the tournament. But the tournament games are going on right now. Uh, some breaking news, by the way, in the NFL. Uh, it's free agency day two. But some sad news. Tom Benson, owner of the Saints, uh, dies. Uh, his family announced he's passed away at the age 90. Uh, Tom Benson... Uh, not maybe not somebody you think about as being one of the great owners, but think about this. That team had never had a winning season before he purchased it. They ended up becoming a Super Bowl team. And uh, this is a guy, too. He's one of the rare owners that has owned teams in two different leagues. Remember, he owned the New Orleans Hornets, who are now the Pelicans because the Hornets have gone back to being the Charlotte Hornets, even though they moved to New Orleans from uh, Charlotte to be the Hornets, even though the original team in New Orleans was the Jazz, and they moved to Utah. Let me tell you something. If you really want, really want to do yourself a favor, find a local vape shop. I would recommend City Vape in Leechburg, because, hey, my sister just opened it. Find some CBD products and then go look up the history of NBA franchise relocations. That's a good night, my friends. That's as good a night as you can have legally. Because there are more teams in cities named that shouldn't be named there. And like the Clippers used to be in Buffalo. I mean, it's all, it's all kind of craziness. There's a whole NHL game to that, too, but I think you need something a little higher than the CBD, to be perfectly honest. Because, like, at some point, NHL teams, like, split into two and were absorbed by teams. Like, it was like some whole Star Wars thing where, like, Jabba the Huck became the Minnesota North Stars and stuff like that. I just got, by the way, the uh, new Star Wars downloaded on the iMachine at home. And I was a big fan of the last Star Wars. This is spoiler alert. Uh... I like the fact that Luke Skywalker just kind of vanished, that it was endgame for him. 
I'm a big fan of main characters being killed off in uh, movies. I think there needs to be some stakes in that. Also, anything that discourages you from bringing children to the movie I want to see, I'm also a fan of. Because I'm selfish, and I'm self-interested, and I don't really want little kids at the movie when I go to see it. That's just the way it is. And so I say anything that, you know, might make those kids sad is good for me in my movie-enjoying experience. Am I, am I too... Am I too selfish in this way? Yeah, I'm going to have to say that's pretty selfish. Well, you're wrong, too, and you're not allowed okay. the movies that I'm in either. But um, I've always sort of felt like Luke Skywalker was the bad guy, the real bad guy in the Star Wars. Because really, Luke exists to sort of restore balance to the Force, but who's to say that Anakin hadn't really done that? Because why is it only balance if there's just the, the light side? To me, the light side and the dark side both have to exist. So when Anakin became Darth Vader and it was the dark side and the light side, I think to me that was true balance. Luke had to go kill his dad. I mean, I guess he didn't really kill him. That was the Emperor. But still, I mean, if Luke had just minded his own business, his dad would have kept living. Kept breathing into that apparatus. But no, Luke, like most sons, has to be his own man, get his dad killed, and then he abandons his family, because he's sulking, because his, him and his nephew had a bit of a dust-up, lets his best friend die. I mean, Luke's a real selfish jerk when you think about it. If anybody deserved a non-heroic exit, it was Luke Skywalker. They should expose him for the fraud that he is. He's brought nothing but heartache. To, this man is the reason his father and best friend are both dead. He sat by and did nothing willfully as his father and best friend were killed what kind of hero is that luke skywalker and his mentor he just sat there and watched while obi-wan got stricken down luke skywalker's a jerk that's the truth of the matter and he's the one he should have been killed off a long time ago in this star wars theory if it seems like I'm just rambling about Star Wars, it's probably because these NCAA games, other than the Miami loss, they haven't been that interesting. So, I mean, this is the thing about the NCAA tournament. Everybody always remembers the good moments. Always the good moments. That's what you remember about the NCAA. Oh, the upsets, that's so great. Let me tell you something. There are more unmemorable moments from every NCAA tournament by far than there are memorable ones. For every upset victory, there are five to ten victories in these early rounds that are absolutely disinteresting. Big bad teams just bludgeoning poor helpless mid-majors or wannabes. So you might talk about your, your upsets and your bracket busters, but for the most part, this tournament... It exists for bludgeoning. And you're complicit, all of you, for watching it. Because you pick these upsets because you think that brings excitement. But all it does is plant little seeds in the minds of these, these teams that probably shouldn't even be in. And the truth is, this should be like an 18 tournament, and it should be the eight best teams for the big conferences. They're the ones that have a chance to win. So I'm not a big fan of the NCAA tournament. I've made that clear. Now that said, 
I'll probably watch tomorrow. Well, actually, I'll be on the air tomorrow with West Virginia is playing. So, so if it, in the four and five o'clock hour tomorrow, if I'm not really that connected, it's probably because I'm watching West Virginia go down. Speaking of which, we just had two uh, two young boys running around here at Sensi's, and I'm a, I should bring them on the air, ask them what they think about Luke Skywalker, because I think he's a jerk. I really do. Say, look, call in right now. Anybody out there listening? 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874. Where do we stand on this? The Last Jedi came out on Blu-ray and the downloadable things. What do you call them? Digital downloads. And Luke Skywalker, I just, I'm glad he's gone. He's never done the right thing. Even in this one, he sent Rey off to go to her doom. You know, show he shows up as a hologram. Well, that's a big man of you, Luke. You don't even got skin in the game. You're on some mountain floating, you know, hoping your hologram does your dirty work. Luke Skywalker's a fraud. And these Star Wars fans that were mourning when Rain Johnson killed him off, they should have killed him off in the first minute of that movie. Instead of handing him the lightsaber, Ray should have struck him down. That's right. The real hero of this current Star Wars saga is actually Kylo Ren. His parents chose intergalactic war over him. Rey chose chasing her own ego over him. He's always been manipulated by people above him. All the guy is, is he's basically a latchkey kid who has a grandfather who he's not even allowed to really connect with. Because... That grandfather happened to be Darth Vader. So, you know, I feel bad for Kylo, and I think if he takes out the whole family, it should be applauded. Because that Skywalker family, they're no good. They're no good. They've done nothing but bring heartache and pain to the galaxy. And how many people have lost lives because of the Skywalker's family drama? Think about this. This is why I always tell people, if you're really into Star Wars, you should be more into Star Trek. Star Trek... There's a story there. There's science there. It's none of this long time ago in galaxy far, far away. Like, come on. And what's with people being able to understand Chewbacca? Like, how does that work? Like, who really understands him? We don't know that Han really understood him. He could have just been making stuff up as he went along. I'm really down on the whole hero Skywalker thing. The only one with any real courage was Leia. The other ones all took the easy way out. Vader kills, Anakin kills kids before he becomes Vader, right? Luke Skywalker just, again, watches his mentor, his dad, and his best friend die while he's just standing there. I can't do anything. I'm Luke Skywalker. What a jerk. What a jerk. I'm not saying Mark Hamill's a bad guy, but come on. There's no nobility in Luke Skywalker. What, what did he ever win, by the way? He never won a battle either. Have you ever noticed that? Like, we think of Luke Skywalker as his hero. He didn't beat Darth Vader. He didn't beat the Emperor. He didn't beat Kylo Ren. And they chased Jamie Dixon out of town for... And he won stuff. Like, Luke Skywalker should be exiled from this galaxy. He's done nothing. He's contributed nothing. He's a loser. He's a loser. He didn't even have the decency to die. He just disappeared. You know, just floated away. 
What a jerk Luke Skywalker is. What a fan of Luke Skywalker. I have to bring this up with Adam Crowley the next time he's hosting his own show. That's another thing, too. Does Adam Crowley ever work? Like, I'm here all the time. What does he do? Like, usually people that are this inaccessible at their job are talented. What does he do? I mean, I guess if I listened to him more than what I'm on the air, I would know, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. Let's get back into sports here for a few minutes here before we go to uh, break. We were talking about this earlier, the Lev Bell situation. I want to touch on this again. Can the Steelers win with Le'Veon Bell at $14 million? And when I say win, can they win a Super Bowl this way? The evidence suggests no. They've been getting better defensively, but they've yet to be able to be a really good team defensively from start to finish in this era. And now you're in the era where Lev Bell's going to be making more money than ever, right? So... I'm of the belief that it might make more sense for the Steelers right now to rescind the tag, let Le'Veon walk, and try to get in on some of this free agent action. What if they could get better at safety? What if they could get better at inside linebacker? And what if they could get more efficient by having several running backs do the work of Lev Bell? I just think when you really look at this, when you really crunch the numbers... There's no viable path to the Super Bowl with the Steelers paying Lev Bell $14 million against the cap. And there's no way Lev Bell is not going to try to chase that type of number. He has it in his mind that that's what he wants to make. So why are we doing this dance for one more year? What's the point of it? There isn't one, really. It's going to require a superhuman effort by Bell, Brown, and Roethlisberger for the Steelers to get into the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. And if that's the case, maybe they should go about it a different way because it hasn't worked. And it's been a while since the Steelers have been a Super Bowl team, so we kind of like to get back to that here before any of us start getting too much older, right? Especially Ben Roethlisberger. Just something to think about. All right, when we come back, we'll be talking with Mike Kazaza, and he'll be talking to us about the games out in San Diego, including West Virginia. So that's up next here on ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm Rob Rossi, in for Adam Crowley. This is the Adam Crowley Show, coming to you live from Sensi's, and we'll be right back. The Adam Crowley Show. Uh, he went from the bottom. I give up, man. If you're not going to be honest about it, I give John, Thanks my nipple looks on. like my Bye-bye. nipple looks like my cat like a like my cat's nipple. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. A great Tom Petty song. Don't come around here no more. Interesting that that would be the song we come back to after hearing Adam's uh, bit about talking about his cat's nipples or something. Maybe people are telling him not to come around here no more for his own show. When you can have me filling in for a host, I mean, that's a pretty obvious thing to think. Adam Crowley off today again because that's what he does. He takes days off. 
I'm Rob Rossi filling in for him on ESPN Pittsburgh. We are live at Sensi's here in Wexford. Come join us. Great place to hang out and watch the evening games in this second round of the NCAA tournament. It feels like the first round actually is the second round. And if you have enough rounds, who really cares, right? All right, let's go out to San Diego. A guy that I knew when he was just a wee, wee little tyke in his little diapers. Well, not quite that little, but a uh, longtime friend, one of the best college sports reporters in the country, Mike Kazaza, joining me from San Diego, where it is, what temperature right now, Michael? It's, it's like 62 degrees and people are pissed and, like <laughs> wearing, and wearing sweaters and it's, it's very unusual for me. Yeah, I mean, usually in San Diego, 72 is the temperature that it always is. So uh, I, I guess I feel bad for them, uh, being that it's like 21 degrees real feel here today yeah. in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike, uh, of course, is on the Twitter machine, at Mike Kazaza. You can follow his work at 24-7 Sports and CBSI. So, all right, Mike, uh, you've got an interesting team out there because they were at one point number two in the nation. And now most te- people have them you know, at most winning a couple of games in this tournament. I guess the question I'm most curious about West Virginia, what watching this team the way you have, what do you think the biggest upside they have in terms of how far they can go? And is it also contrasted by the fact that you think they could lose tomorrow? Yeah, that's the dichotomy with them. They're <laughs> they're they're very schizophrenic at times, sometimes within the same game. Um you know they they got blown out in the first game and then they won 15 in a row and they went one and five and they went six and two and you know it's it's really hard to get a beat on them and you know not only that but they've blown five games that they've led by double digits in the second half against really good teams so you know they're they played stretches of high end basketball for minutes and also for weeks at a time and they've been you know miserable for minutes and weeks at a time the the ceiling is the ceiling I would would have told you. You know, two months ago was not this, but I think their ceiling is the final four. Um, yeah. And I think they, yeah, I think they could, you know, have a six-minute scoring drought and be going home tomorrow, too. They're, they're fascinating, Mike, too, because like you said, I've seen teams, and I'm, I'm watching from afar, you're covering this, I've seen teams have sort of dual seasons or even be streaky, but I, I have a hard time remembering a team that's had a season in which they've lost a lot of games this year where they've, taken good teams and for 35 minutes put a hurt on them and then they just seem incapable of finishing which you wouldn't think of a team that has their type of senior leadership it's unusual as you describe it um that's not their reality uh they they like to to fancy themselves a 40-minute team but even if you look at peak press virginia from reason season past they boat race teams in the first 20 or 30 minutes and then kind of finished, just got to the finish line. Um, you know, and, and they had this, this mantra of, you know, our, our first, our 13 are better than your top 13, right? And maybe that was true. Uh, so that back then, maybe that made some sense. And, you know, dead legs don't work for foul shots and jump shots, and it makes it hard to finish in the end of games. But these guys don't have 13, don't use 13. Um, they don't press for 40 minutes. That's kind of a, a secret that people don't really talk about. Uh, so a lot of those advantages are negated, and um, they they really don't have great defense. Um, I have to say that they're not. Them. Are they? What are they defensively, Mike? We we think of these Huggins teams as 
great defensive teams, whether they're pressing or whether they're playing another uh, type of system, and you think of them as rebounding. And this doesn't seem to be, a, and I don't mean to say they're soft, but they don't seem to be having that real physical, grinded-out intent uh, identity that, that maybe I've associated with recent Huggins teams. Yeah, I think you're 100% correct, and I think you're going to see some players who are playing their last game sometime soon. Um, not only seniors, I think just players who either don't want to come back to this or who aren't going to be wanting to come back to this. Um, so that's that's probably yeah. asked. He doesn't really have a stomach for that. Uh, they're another. They're probably a below-average defensive rebounding team, the rebounding team. They're a high-above-average offensive rebounding right. team, but that's also because they're a mediocre offensive team, and they miss so many shots, they rebound them. So uh, they, they do have stretches where they bully people, and I think what's interesting is the first time you see them, um, a lot of the stuff you see on tape and you worry about is legit. They have, think about this, how many teams can say this, maybe the premier on-the-ball defender in the country, and maybe the premier shot blocker in the country, so right. if you get past the perimeter, you got to deal with that guy down low, and you know they, they have some guys who affect you, um, so they, they're capable of being good in the half court, and they're capable of being good in the full court. Sometimes it just depends what guys show up and who wants to play and who, who says, hey, I have 40 minutes left in my career or I have 40 minutes left in the season and what that finality means to them. They turned it up in the Big 12 tournament. Um, I think that's probably their optimism going forward is that they kind of have a, a tuned in um, uh, now or never kind of look at it. I wonder too, Mike, you know, I, I thought this when they were um, playing in the Big 12 championship game and we're talking here on ESPN Pittsburgh with Mike Kazaza, who covers West Virginia. He's out in San Diego with the Mountaineers right now. But I was watching that game thinking, Mike, you know, if they win that game, they have a they have a banner to hang. This group has a banner to hang, uh, especially those seniors. They don't win that tournament. Now the only way they're getting a banner is if, I mean, have substantial banners if they get to the Final Four. Otherwise, what have they done? Yeah, I mean, you they, think about their legacy. This this group, right, this this is the, the first, I guess you would say, iteration of, of depressing I hate saying it, Press Virginia, but that's yeah. what they call here. Uh, and Javon Carter, Dax Miles, they were like the pioneers of this for four years. And, you know, they had some guys who were one or two year players in that, but, you know, whether it's Tariq Phillip or Jay Sean Page or Devin Williams or John Holder or Adrian, a core of players who played two or three or four years together. Um, and I think if you ask a lot of fans of college basketball or fans of West Virginia, what, what's the legacy of it? Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's got destroyed by Stephen F. Austin. In the first round, got destroyed by Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Had an embarrassing final, you know, 20 seconds in the Sweet 16 against Gonzaga. Um, has been to the championship game of the Big 12 tournament three straight years and hasn't won it. Uh, has has honestly had wobbled Kansas for three straight regular seasons, and Kansas still wins the regular season tournament. This is this is kind of a golden era in the history of West Virginia basketball. But yeah, they do win trophies and banners in this business, and there's not one. Uh, and and that's that's kind of an odd thing when you look at there were there were two really lean years here when people were not happy with Huggins the way things are going. They missed every tournament one year, finished 13 and 19. Uh, they went to the NIT and lost in a, a YMCA gym to Georgetown the next year. Uh, and they've been in the tournament four times since. And I think a lot of the history is yet unwritten. But for the points you make, it's, it's weird. But that's that's the bottom line nature of this is competitors and coaches and all that stuff. And that's what they're going to be measured on. And, you know, that, that period at the end of the sentence is coming sometime soon. You can go to uh, westvirginia.247sports.com to read Mike's work. You can follow him on the Twitter machine, too, at Mike Kazaza. Mike, we uh, were talking with Will Graves of the AP last segment, and I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm rooting for a West Virginia Marshall second-round 
or oh, third, round, third round matchup uh, in San Diego. Just to point out the absurdity of having two teams from West Virginia playing in San Diego in round three. I, why can't this tournament be one that in the early rounds is regional? Uh, why do they have to send these teams all the way across the country? Uh, it seems like it would be better for everybody involved. I mean, look, I, I just as exciting as it is here to have the tournament in Pittsburgh, if you had teams like West Virginia and uh, Marshall that are so close to Pittsburgh, it would be a much more energetic vibe. Yeah, that's the sad part about this. Um, there is a lot of expenses here. It's that's for schools and teams, and, and more importantly, families. Right. To, to come out and do this, that's hard. Um, I, I kind of wish they have fewer sites, but the fact is that everybody wants to make money, so you know you got to have eight sites. Uh, could they do four? Maybe. Like, why couldn't they have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games in Pittsburgh, for example? And that solves some of your issues with awarding up seeds for a team like West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia also would have been popular in Charlotte right. or in Detroit, even. So, yeah, I mean, if you only had four, you're not going to have all four in the East, but you maybe have two that are within driving distance. But the fact is, someone's always going to get hosed. Uh, that's not usually West Virginia. They're usually a car ride away in these tournaments, but it's, it is unfortunate this year. Also, it's extremely unusual to me that the two teams from West Virginia end up in the same site. There's no way that's a coincidence. And oh no! I've heard, I've heard I've heard this too from people, and I haven't been able to put it down. But like, there were discussions about having West Virginia and Marshall travel together here. That's bizarre to me. Like at that point, what are we doing? Are they just trying to save? thousands of dollars in an event that pays them billions and that's why they put these two teams in the same region because hey maybe they don't mind sharing airspace together that's nonsense right Mike, and that's, that's kind of how this works when i saw the bracket my thought was they put west virginia and marshall out there because it would help fill flights out of yep. west virginia or pittsburgh or dc if people wanted to go too you'd have more yeah. people going i mean like that was my first thought that the point you raised i mean I guess, look, I watch this NCAA tournament, and as you know, you've known me a long time, I don't love this tournament like everybody else does. I actually don't like the fact that I don't think it's, I think more than any sporting event that we have in North America, this is set up for the best team not to win it. And I think the best teams are usually at a distinct disadvantage because, let's face it, if you're a one or a two seed and you're playing at a neutral site, Unless you're North Carolina playing in Charlotte, you're usually in a situation where if you get down in one of those second or third round games, you're now playing a road game, essentially, because everybody's for the underdog. So I don't know that there's a big advantage to being to having a great regular season. But my biggest problem with this tournament continues to be it is so blatantly a money grab by the NCAA. <laughs> and... And it's unapologetically so, so I can't really knock the NCAA, but this isn't a service to the teams or the student-athletes. It really isn't. No, I agree. It's, it's a, and there's no way that's going to get changed because that's no. the one thing that the NCAA controls. They don't control the bowl games, so they can't really do that. This is going to be right your cash grab. And, um, I don't know. That's, that's the unfortunate part about it, but, like, are you going to give back money to – that people give to you out that they're, gonna, they're in a position to do that. Can they change it? I think what, what bothers me is that there are going to be calls as more of these. I think as more and more people build a wall between the, the, the at-large teams that should be in, like, Middle Tennessee State, for example, or even, like, a team like the Pac-12, like USC, uh, you're going to hear influential people say, we need, you know, I don't know, 
1996 teams, that's where it's going to be out of control because then someone's going to say, wait a minute, we make this much cash with 68 teams, well, what can we do with 96? And then they're not going to give any of that money back either. Well, and I'll be honest, Mike, I don't know that 96 wouldn't be better because, to be honest, with as many teams that play Division One college basketball, I, I think you can make more of an argument that you'd have a third of them deserving to be playing for the national title. What's the difference between 96 and 68? Do that, and then ask yourself, what's the the difference between 96 and 128? Because then where are we going? Then you're going to have half of Division One basketball in this tournament within a period of I don't know, twelve years. I mean, it's then you know how far do you go? Like I don't know. I, it was it was a major move back in 1985 when they went to 64 teams. So imagine that we're not we're not too far into the 65 team experiment. We've already screwed with it a couple times to make it 68 teams and have the playing games. And are the playing games going to be 15 and 16 seeds? Are they going to be a two 16s and then you know two 11s and all that stuff? So uh, right, but they, but they hear me out here. In the pros, don't for the most part, almost half the teams make it in in every. In every sport now, yeah, 16, I mean, we're close. I guess in the NBA, you're right. Yeah, you're, you're, NHL you're right, does it. NBA does it. I think the NFL puts twelve of thirty-two. But I mean, everybody's in the playoff essentially. You know, the final couple of weeks, there aren't that many teams eliminated. I mean, I guess my view of this, Mike, and you know, we're having more of a philosophical bent to this. But mm. uh, if 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 you're not going to have it be real strict to qualify, and by that I mean you have to win your regular season conference, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not going to have that be it and have a very exclusive field, why not have a big field? I could see that. I mean, are we, I mean, and then who's going to get mad? The, the CBI or the CIT because they're going to get you know the scrubs. They have to kind of already do that. I mean, I I mean yeah. Who cares about those tournaments now? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You <laughs> I mean, playing them. You know. Right. So. All right, we're talking with Mike Kazaza here on the Adam Crowley Show, ESPN Pittsburgh. Got a few more minutes with him. He's out in San Diego. Mike, how? worried should college basketball fans be that to me the nightmare scenario being that Arizona runs the table here wins this and we have an off season of wondering what the heck's coming down the pike for the Arizona Wildcats as a program and they're the national championships because I gotta be honest I'm rooting for that because you know I just like the negativity but it's fascinating to me to think that we don't know where this FBI probe is really going with a lot of teams and we are in a situation where a team could win the national title. It could be a team we don't even know about. And who the heck knows what the offseason headlines are going to be about that? Yeah, it's. I would say just enjoy it because the scenarios you're talking about are probably coming. I don't know if it's a national right. champion or if it's a national semifinalist or whatever, but like I think the scope of this is pretty severe. Uh, I, I know people who are reporting it, and just in conversations that we have you know, back and forth online or even in person, you know, does the hand ring is a is it is a ten coaches, is it twenty coaches, is it two dozen coaches, which means programs and players and you multiply that, that's a big number itself, but you multiply that by however many other ind- individuals are involved, you're talking dozens and dozens and dozens of people here. Um and it touches everybody and then it goes into the shoes and family. I mean, who knows? It's it's you're it's it is kind of a nightmare thing, so I can't solve it. Uh, uh so I don't know what to do. I think it's kinda of funny that the rules have been in place for so long and people figured out how to juke them and it took this long to catch up and it's not the NCAA investigating it because uh, I think we know why, but right. uh it, it took this outside federal investigation to do it and the whole bunch of bad yeah. guys turning on other bad guys. Uh that's probably the C D part about it too. So I think when people 
are staring at sentences or, or you know, show causes or whatever, um, when it's when it's them or someone else, you're going to see a lot of people turning over up as quickly. And that's think, where it gets bad. I think of the NCAA sort of like I think of the Congressional um, Intelligence Committee. It, if they don't want to see it, they don't have to, right? Are we going to turn this in? <laughs> no, no, no. Let me ask you this, Mike. Uh, I want to ask you this one last question. I'm here with Mike Kazaza on ESPN Pittsburgh. Follow him at Mike Kazaza on Twitter uh, 424-7 Sports and CBSI. Look, Mike, um, we're seeing it in Pitt. We're seeing it at UConn, this notion of firing a guy for cause. It's utterly distasteful to me. Um, I understand why universities would do it. Millions of dollars to, can be saved. That's enticing. But I do worry this, this is the next trend we're going to see. And to me, it is just disgusting that we are going to try to find reasons to not honor buyouts that have been negotiated. Yeah, I'm big into this. You know, me, uh, one of my, I don't know, side hobbies, I guess, whatever, is I'm very into contracts and contract mm-hmm. law and everything. And, like, I wish I could sit in the room with Kevin Stallings and just say, please, please, please. Don't take a penny less because there's right. no way he loses this, especially with that fabricated, you know, yeah. Louisville line, which I would kind of think is kind of funny. Maybe it's like I bet you in the in the wake of that, they thought they had a pretty cool coach, and right. suddenly it's not good enough. But Kevin, it was one of the few highlights of a miserable season at Pitt. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would. I know you can't fire the AD now, but like maybe I would try to retroactively fire him because that was. <laughs> In hindsight, a terrible decision, a terrible right. contract. Like I've I've seen a lot of these things. I know a lot about athletic directors and agents, people who deal with them, and they could never believe that number. Like they thought that was strange. But also, I've never seen the contract. But there's no protection for Pitt in there in an instance like this, where, for example, you might say, and this is what I hear to be true, but like you know, you could mitigate the damage if you got another job. So if he's working within a year, then you owe him a fraction or whatever. Or right. um, if he wants the money right away, as opposed to over the length of the contract, then it's decreased by X percent. That's sometimes as common in contracts, as far as I know, that wasn't written into pits. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. That's probably something that should be out there. Someone should be leaking that to reporters or maybe just coming out and saying it. I'm not sure Pitt's in the habit of doing, you know, press conferences and talking about these things, which might be the problem. But, you know, it's, I think you're right. Uh, and what troubles me is that buyouts are ridiculous in general um i'm not i'm not like a free employment kind of person but like the fact that you you get you do a bad job and you get fired that's one thing too but the the structure of them are out of control and insane and it's because agents are involved in this stuff too right. and trying to protect clients who may not be good at their job and may do bad things um, the thing that amazes I, I think, me about this mike right, is, the, is the is the is the firms the fir- like this to me is stunning that like there are like Pitt's going to go this route again, where they're hiring a search firm to find a coach. I'm just, why the heck do you need athletic directors if they don't know who they're going to coach is going to be? Someone needs to blame somebody else. Is is the industry explanation for so when guess. it gets bad, you can say, well, we we hired this firm. Now here's here's a good question for you too. We're in this buyout thing, right? With cause such and such, why can't you get your money back from a search firm if they? Somehow right. you to take a coach, and every one of these search firms has conflicts with their coaches. Like they're they're you, you you're a coach and you're young or you're whatever you get with these search firms, and they're your advocates, right? It's not unbiased. It's not in very rare instances it's not unbiased, right? So they're advocating for someone that is a client of theirs, right? That's the same as an agent. Right. So if, if you're doing this and and a, and a body's leaning you to you're you're paying a company. And that company is lobbying you to use one of their quote-unquote clients. That seems like some sort of an employment agreement in itself, and that's something you probably should be able to pursue in the long term. Like, hey, this guy you told us to hire, and we paid you five hundred grand to tell us to hire. Well, he stunk, uh, and we fired him after two years. We'd like fifty percent of our feedback because you're not good at your job. 
You know, Mike, it makes me think of something a friend of ours, Bob Herzl, said. It's a good thing they play the games because otherwise there's not a lot of reasons to like it. Yeah, he, he's, he's still taking for a reason. Yeah. All right, uh, my friend. Enjoy the uh, balmy 62 degrees out in San Diego, uh, and uh, hopefully you see some good basketball out there. That's Mike Kazaza. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Kazaza. I'm Rob Rossi, and I'll be back for the final segment of the Adam Crowley Show here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Take us with you wherever you go. ESPN Pittsburgh is on the iHeartRadio app. Anywhere, anytime, and always free. ESPN Pittsburgh, an iHeartRadio station. Happy she's returned to social media this week. Um, we wish her well. It's a shame she's not going to be on our airwaves much longer. But um, respectfully, I think she's lying. I, I think she does that so her dogs will choose napping over staying awake. Because why else would you leave Adam on for the dogs to listen to? He's, he's got a he's got a approach that should put animals to sleep, right? Not permanently, of course. <laughs> Stop talking about putting animals to sleep, Rob. We don't want that. No. Uh, Adam will be back with you Monday. I'll actually be back in with you tomorrow. Uh, we'll be coming to you, I believe, live from Carson City Saloon, which I expect to be packed because this is the worst weekend of the year in Pittsburgh coming up, uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Now, a lot of you uh, like the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Um, you're wrong. As you are uh, wont to be many times. Uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade is amateur hour at its finest. It's like taking people that try to play football on Thanksgiving morning with people who try to drink on New Year's Eve and putting them in one small cramped area, painting them a varied hideous colors of green. The only benefit of which is that I can't see the color, so I don't know how bad they look. And then handing them beer and just waiting for the smell of vomit to waft through the city as they discharge their kegs and eggs breakfast. It is the worst of Pittsburgh. I love the parade. It's all of you youngins or oldens who are trying to act like youngins who go down to my city. My city which has survived and overcome and thrived through many areas many eras, excuse me, and in many areas. Because let's face it, every version of Pittsburgh has like a north, south, east, west, and nobody knows which one. But the point is, you people all conglomerate downtown on Saturday for this parade. And and you make me long for the days when the Grateful Dead would come into town and just ransack the place. The fans, the deadheads. Because you people, when you have eaten so much and you have downed so much that you just spew openly on the street, on the sidewalk. You disgust me. I don't mean this to sound funny. I hate that you go downtown and turn my city into a toilet. And you do this every year. And I've listened to you all week. I can't wait for Saturday. Saturday's the greatest day of the year. Just stop it. Be a respectable human being. There are families with kids down there. You're no better 
you kegs and eggers than Luke Skywalker. Okay? You're useless to the story. You're celebrated for the wrong reasons. And you just pretty much sit idly by while bad things happen. You admit this, people. You've been there. You've been in Market Square, drunk, bloated, barfing. And then you'll sit by and watch somebody else do the same thing. You're not going and getting them Gatorade. You're not getting them a cab ride home or an Uber ride home. No, you're putting them on the trolley. You're putting them on the bus so they can puke there. And then who has to deal with it? People like me. Good people. Superior people. People that pay taxes. So I'm just saying, this year, make a better choice. There's basketball going on Saturday. We don't need these people coming in from out of town seeing the worst side of Pittsburghers. Maybe stay home and drink like yourself. A real man drinks at home by himself. A real man does not go downtown and puke everywhere. And a real woman drinks at home with her man. And maybe upstairs so she doesn't have to see him or smell him. But you shouldn't go downtown. Don't scare these kids. Or come to a respectable place. Come to, come to Sensi's. At least come here, right? Have, they will make sure you don't get too drunk. They're opening at, I think, what, 11 a.m.? They have drink specials. You can do it at a bar. Just don't do it at the parade on a street. Somebody has to clean that up. And how often do they actually clean it up? They don't. It'll be Sunday morning. People will be going to church. And they'll be smelling vomit. All of a sudden, our streets look like the draft room of the Cleveland Browns. They're just a mess. So I encourage you. I implore you. I ask you, be better, Pittsburgh. Amazon's watching. Do you really want to lose the Amazon? Is it Amazon? Who's watching? Is it Amazon? I always forget. It's Amazon. It's Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Somebody's watching is the point. I always forget. Is it Amazon or uh, Google or whoever? Those people are watching. They want to choose us. And we're giving them this green, brown vomit that just fills our streets. I mean, seriously, like, I would rather the horse manure smell. I mean, I've, I've seen this. I've come out of the arena, and I've just smelled it. Oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. It's that unique scent of urine and vomit and, well, other things that are even more foul. You know, the worst part is you've not seen disgusting till you see two people making out near vomit, unaware that the vomit's there. You've not seen disgusting until you see two people vomiting when they're making out. Be better, Pittsburgh. I have higher hopes for you. That's all I'm saying. Don't be Luke Skywalker. Contribute positively to the galaxy. Don't watch your father die. Don't watch your mentor die. Do not watch your best friend die. But consider this. Maybe pull a page from Luke Skywalker's book. Just avoid the whole thing altogether. Just stand by and watch from home. Now that said, if given the choice between puking downtown or puking near my house in the city, please choose downtown. Because Papa don't like that. All right. The NCAA tournament continues tonight at PPG Paints Arena, but we also got Robert Morris in action in hockey as they try to continue advancing and reach the NCAA tournament of their own accord. So we'll have updates there online, right? 
Uh, that's uh, that's actually going to be tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, yeah. So tomorrow coming up night. next on these airwaves oh. is going to be the Jerry Dulac Golf Show. The Jerry Dulac Golf Show, which, by the way, is great and awesome, and I filled in once for it, and it was a travesty because I know nothing about golf, but uh, Jerry knows everything about golf. Jerry's a great golfer. Jerry will be talking about Tiger Woods today, I bet. Oh yeah, Tiger. Tiger's Tiger back. Roar. He's back. Row, row. I don't know how you do a Tiger. Tiger Woods probably, a previous version of Tiger Woods would have probably fit right in on the uh, Pittsburgh St. Patrick's Day Parade scene, right? Yeah. Anyway, Jerry Dulac's got the golf show coming up, so stay tuned for that. I'll be back with you tomorrow from 4 to 7 because, again, Adam Crowley does not work. We want to thank everybody at Sensi's for the great food and the great hospitality. We'll be at Carson City Saloon tomorrow. This is ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm Rob Rossi, and I'm out.